Welcome to Vision Drip, a podcast designed to give you a steady drip of our vision, mission, and DNA to establish and refine the gospel culture at Sacred City Church. I'm your host, Pastor Sam Schmidt, church planter and pastor of Sacred City Church in Moline, Illinois. I am so excited to have you with me as I hope this podcast helps to equip you as a disciple of Jesus in the everyday rhythms of life as we set out to make disciples, plant churches, and renew the city. Not only do I hope that this podcast helps you grow, but it would grow your affections for Jesus. So let's dive into this episode of Sacred City Vision Drill. Everybody, Pastor Sam with you today. Listen, it is Holy Week. Man, it is Holy Week. We've already been trekking through here. It's April 1st when I'm sitting down to record this. Can you believe that? Already. Fourth month of the year. This is crazy. Um, and uh, with Holy Week, it's it's just a busy time in the church calendar. A lot of stuff going on at the church. We've got an extra gathering this week. Our Sunday gathering is, is something that we put a lot of extra effort and uh, intentionality into. Um, and so things are just busy here, but I want to take a minute or two, or 20, or however long it takes, uh, to sit down and finish up talking about the 2021 vision that we've had for Sacred City Moline, specifically, uh, well, not so much a vision as much as it is a prayer. And, and I think that in this prayer, there's a vision for what our church would be like, right? If we start to embody this stuff that we're praying for, um, and, and there have been really four prayer points. We, we've been praying that God would help us to know more, uh, to be filled with the knowledge of God, um, to do good, to keep going forward, and knowing that to, uh, you know to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, um, to bear fruit, to do good in our city, um, to glorify God by doing good works. Um, last time, which is like a couple or three weeks ago, man, I keep I keep telling myself I do this every week, but it's like maybe every other week if I'm lucky. Um, the third one, though, is joyfully endure, and and that was, I think, specifically relevant given the year that we came out of in 2020 and what it looks like to kind of keep pressing on and not lose heart and keep the mission at the front of our minds and keep asking and praying that God would uh, do something special um, in our church and through our church to impact our city in pretty powerful ways. Um, and so just to have the ability to keep going, you know, uh, the old Dory, just keep swimming, but to do so with glad hearts, to joyfully endure, to pull um, from the joy of Jesus, that even when things are hard, we keep pressing on um, and, and have patience in the midst of it. And I want to wrap it up by talking about the final one, uh, Worship Hard, which I think is timely given that uh, we're getting ready to celebrate the resurrection on Resurrection Sunday, on Easter Sunday. And so I think this one's really actually timely. The Lord, I, I just felt the prompting here to sit down and do this. So um, I want to talk about this. And, and so let me first take us back to um, Paul's prayer for the Colossians in Colossians chapter 1. And this is verse 9. He says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, 
Now here it is. Worship hard. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified. He has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of the beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. There it is. With joy giving thanks. So actually, if you're looking at the ESV translation, um, there's a question about where this punctuation should be because, you know, English punctuation works differently than Greek punctuation. And so here, you know, um, it says when we get to the whole whole piece about being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, well, there it's like in the ESV, there's the, that semicolon there after with joy, so endurance and patience with joy. But there's also this, this kind of like transition where it, it's like if you were to move that semicolon before with joy, the ESV says here, with joy giving thanks to the Father, right? And so what that is, that's that's worshipful language. Now, there's a couple reasons to worship, and I was just kind of thinking about it, and, and I have got three that come to mind. All right, so you see something, and just like, and worship isn't something that we have to ever turn on. We're always worshiping. We were made worshipers. The question is, what are you worshiping? Um, So I think it's uh, either Augustine or Calvin talks about, like, our hearts are just like these constant, it's like fire hydrants that have been unleashed. Like, there's no way to stop it. There's a constant flow of worship coming out of our hearts. The, the only thing, you know, we don't get to determine if we turn it on or off. The only thing we get to determine is what we point that hose at, right? What it is that we're worshiping. And there are a few things, few big things that sort of um, incite worship, that sort of um, grab our attention, grab our affections, grab our hearts, and stir up worship uh, within us. And, and, and there are a few of these things here. Here's the three big ones that I can think of. And if you, got, if you can think of more, let me know, because... Uh, I, I think this was actually a fascinating thing to just sort of meditate on here today. But um, I think the first thing that causes worship is beauty, all right? Like you stand in front of the Grand Canyon. You stand at the top of the Rocky Mountains. Uh, you stand at the foot of the ocean, and it's beautiful, right? You, you sort of, your breath gets taken away. You feel the, you know, the goosebumps run across your neck, um, and you just have this like surreal feeling, euphoric even. It's just like the beauty of even creation, right? Um, it sort of sparks this um, response of our hearts that that we're just drawn to it. And really, that's what worship is. It's it's being drawn to something. And so I think one of the reasons why we worship or what what incites our worship is beauty, or or another word would be glory, um, like you talk about a a bride coming down the aisle um, or even think of Adam and Eve, right? When God walks Eve down the aisle and presents her to Adam and he, like, it's a very, it's like a kind of a worshipful response. He's at last bone of my bone and, and flesh of my flesh. The beauty of his bride has sort of swept him up at the moment, right? And he becomes a poet. Um, and the glory of the bride, we talk about that, like right? the, the the bride who's all dressed in white and she's the, looking the best she's ever looked, right? She spent like hours and more like more than just the normal sort of hour makeup and hair routine, you know, trying on a, a, you know, a pair of clothes or an outfit and then a couple more before she finally, 
you know, well, she, she literally tried on dozens of dresses and, and spent not, you know, one hour doing makeup, but multiple hours probably doing makeup. And it was probably somebody else who did it for her. And then her hair is another thing, you know, so she's wearing beautiful jewelry. She's got, you know, she's been tanning all that stuff. Right. She looks beautiful. And it's just like the glory of that bride sort of sweeps the groom up in that moment, right? His heart just sort of jumps. Um, and so that's, that's one of the reasons is beauty. We worship that which is beautiful to us. The other thing that we might worship um, or that, that incites worship is just power, right? Like the raw power, the force of something. You know, I think of like, I, I kind of nerd out about um, animal documentaries, or, you know, just like I'm fascinated by, it. I think animals are in- incredible. Um, they're so diverse. There's so many different versions of, of types of animals, you know, and, um, you know, you get sort of swept up. So I, I'm thinking in terms of like an elephant or, or, uh, you know, a, a blue whale, one of these massive creatures that just has this raw power that if it wanted to, or a rhinoceros could just create all kinds of damage. Um, if, you know, you know, if you, you played, uh, you know, you, you, you get after them a little bit, they'll come back after you. So there's a sense of power, like the raw power, um, of that, or, or even seeing like a hurricane, you know, it's maybe a little bit different kind of power, but to see like, or the derecho man, you, oh dude, that was crazy. I right, got home from the gym. Um, and, and like the sky starts turning crazy colors and, and like the wind's blowing and, and like, I've never seen trees bend the way that those trees bent in the middle of that derecho, right? Or if you're in a hurricane, you watch those, those trees bend the power of the wind, right? It just has this sort of awe invoking, um, sense about it, right? So there's beauty, there's power. And I think there's thankfulness, um, right. Or gratitude when, when something has been done for you, and and I think usually, like it's one thing if it's something that's done for you that you expect to be done, but it's another thing that is done for you that you're completely undeserving of. So it's like, um, you know, if you're expecting to get a birthday gift, you know, that's you, you can be thankful for that. That I think I think there's a degree of thankfulness that should ought to accompany that, and you know, and you want to acknowledge that, and you know, I'm not saying that you worship the gift giver. Um, but but there is that sort of response. But but I think there's an even more powerful um, invoking of worship that happens in, in thankfulness for getting something that we don't deserve, right? Or something that we don't expect. Um, I you know I use this as an il- illustration at one point in my missional community, and it came out really wrong. Um, and I'm going to do it again. And I'm going to try not sound like such a jerk. But this is this is like one of the the examples I can think of, and it's really not a big deal. But during the pandemic, right, um, my birthday is in in May sometime, um, and yeah, you know, I told my wife like when I turn thirty, it's just like we only need to celebrate my birthday once every five years because I feel like you know just hit the benchmarks thirty, thirty five, forty, you know it'll be good there. Well she kind of took that to heart. Cause I really, I say that and it's like, yeah, I, I kind of want to be celebrated a little bit. Um, anyway, but she took that to heart. She's like, all right, we're not, you know, we're not going to do anything. Um, so she doesn't really get me a gift. I mean, she, I think she gets me something, but it was like, I don't know. I don't, I, I can't even remember. So I kind of was expecting a gift. I got something or, you know, whatever. But then on my birthday, uh, a friend of ours, she's actually a babysitter, um, who then has now become part of our mission community. She just went out of her way thoughtfully and got a case of beer and a little koozie thing. And I was like, that was one of the most 
thoughtful things. I wasn't expecting it. I didn't deserve it. You know, I, I was not at all anticipating it, but my thankfulness comparatively, okay, in expecting a gift from my wife and this gift out of the blue, even though, you know, it, it wasn't anything crazy, but it was just a thoughtful gift. It, it invoked a sort of thankfulness in me. Now, um, we, now with that, like invoking the sense of worship, it's not necessarily that, that we, um, or worshiping that person, but it, it brings our hearts to a receptive posture and engaging posture um, that that really brings that out. Um, and so, I see when I think of these three things, I say, okay, I see all three of these things happening here in Colossians chapter one, verses nine through what is it, fourteen, where we see the beauty of God. Right. I mean, even if even if there were no gospel, like the, God would just be beautiful. He's holy, right? The um, the there's nothing else like him. Like even to catch a glimpse of him would cause worship, and and we can catch micro glimpses in creation. Right? It's like um, you look at a a Picasso or you look at a Rembrandt or something that that's beautiful, and and yeah, there's a sense of 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 worship or or sense of response to that particular painting. Um, but but really, your kudos, your praises, don't go to the canvas. They don't go to the to the you know the paint um, or or whatever medium was used. It goes to the artist of it. So just like that, with the creation, we see the Green Canyon or the ocean or um, mountains or, or animals or whatever it might be. Our, our worship is sort of uh, invoked not for those things in themselves, but for the one who created them. Okay, so we see that God is this creator, in, well, like even if you keep going um, to the next passage, that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So it's like all things were created, well, Jesus created all things, right, the, with the Father. That we're, that's what we're told in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created, right? And so all things are created for him, and it's like for his glory, like for for him to be known to the rest of his creation. And so we see this beauty of God here in Paul's prayer. We also see the power of might, where he says that he, that he, is, um, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness, Right, so this means that I think if you keep going on, um, where, 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 I just preached through this not too long ago, and he talks about how all of the, um, shoot, guys, I start doing this tangent and I can't find it because I don't want to just wing it, but he's talking about how he has dis- disarmed all of the powers of this earth of this world. Um, world, earth. That was a crazy word. Um, but that's what Jesus did. Like we see the power of Jesus overcoming that, which we thought that we would never, ever, ever be able to escape from. And then we just see this overall thankfulness because we didn't deserve anything of this, right? We, we didn't, we didn't earn it. We didn't, you know, inch ourselves toward this. And specifically, what do we have to be thankful for? Well, Paul says we, that, that the father has qualified us He's qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. What he's talking about here is 
because of the work of Jesus, we have been qualified, right? We, we've been adopted in the family, and now we have this inheritance, like what is the Father's is now ours. And so the new heavens, new earth, right? All that belongs to God, all of the riches of heaven, every single treasure that there is to want and to long for, we now have access to it. The inheritance, we have been qualified. So in sin, we were disqualified for it. We couldn't be with God. We couldn't enjoy a relationship with him. But Jesus has qualified us because of his perfect life, his His substitutionary death um, and atonement for our sins. And he has given us a new life that we may walk by the Spirit and then be alive in Christ. And so we see that that we're qualified uh, for this inheritance, um, all of heaven's riches, the new heavens, new earth, everything that God has to offer, boom, it's available to us. All things are ours in Christ. That is so cool. Qualified. And so, and then we see also the fact that we're thankful because we've been delivered from the domain of darkness. So what he's talking about, there are spiritual powers that are happening or being exercised right now. Um, and I'm not saying the devil's behind every bush, but but our societal structures, our governmental s- structures, um, even corporations where um, policies and uh, cultures have been established, even even cultures and ethnicities at large, right? Ways people that live, uh, ways people live, has this sort of dark influence over them in some ways, right? Um, every culture has this. And and so the, this domain of darkness where evil is sort of just, evil kind of runs rampant. It, it, it's sort of uh, intertwined with everything. It's hard to um, sort out what is good from what is bad. And, you know, it's so <clears throat> there's a sense where the dark powers of of, of the enemy, um, of demonic powers, of the powers of this world, of just like human flesh and overall uh, going with the flow, right? The powers of the world, we have been delivered from that. So no longer are we d- bound by what the what the world says of us or what, you know, uh, just like the letting sin run the trajectory for our life. We've been delivered from that domain and brought into the kingdom of the beloved son. And so in this, sin loses its power, death loses its sting, right? In the resurrection of Jesus. And we've been delivered from darkness and not just to a neutral place, right? So salvation in Jesus doesn't just mean I have forgiveness of sins, that yes, you do, but it's, it's not that Jesus saves you from your sins and brings you to a neutral spot. He saves us from our sins and brings us into the kingdom of heaven, right? He gives us that which was not ours, that which we could not have earned. And so because of this, right, no wonder why we would be joyful um, in thanksgiving to God because he's done all of this stuff, the stuff that we definitely were not deserving of. He's exercised his power and his might over sin, death, and the grave. And we see just this overall beauty, right, that Jesus... There's no one more beautiful than Jesus. And so when our eyes are locked on the gospel and what Jesus has done for us, our heart should naturally be in a worshipful state, right? Like we are, it's, it's that, that moment where everything else that our fire hose of worship was pointed toward before, whether that was our, our spouse or our kids or our work or, you know, you name it, your sports team or whatever it was, whatever your, your heart was pointed toward, now it has something even better to be pointing toward because nothing else has died for you. Nothing else has delivered you from the dark forces, the, the dark powers that have kept you from living uh, the good life. And Jesus liberates us. He sets us free and sets us on this trajectory where because of the gospel, because of what Jesus has done, we will have a happy ending. 
right? Like, because of Jesus, our future is incredibly bright. Now, there is this, this reality that, yes, okay, I, I'm going to worship Jesus because one day in the future, everything sad will come untrue, right? Everything everything good will remain, and everything that is not good, everything that is marred by sin will, will either be redeemed, so there would be no mark of sin on it, or completely expelled from the kingdom of heaven. But then there's also the reality that right here and right now, we have something to rejoice in, that Jesus is with us, that, that the Spirit of Christ is living inside of us, um, and, and He's meeting our deepest needs, Paul talked about ha- having contentment, um, just and the ability to have contentment no matter what his circumstances. In this Philippians, I think chapter three, um, where, where he's learned to be content in all situations, it's because he has found the surpassing glory of Jesus. And and right here, right now, whatever life is thrown at him or us, we have the ability to have this worshipful posture. Uh, I think in the New Testament, it talks about being sorrowful, yet always rejoicing because the gospel gives us this buoyancy. It gives us this, this eternal worshipful state in our, our hearts. And so what, I, what I'm asking for and what we're praying for here this year when we say worship hard um, is that we would be like worshipers who have just been unleashed. Now, why worship hard? I, I, I was kind of like a play on words because we talk about we, how we work hard you know, oh yeah, I work so hard. I, I accomplish this. I accomplish that. You know, it's our hard work, hard play, hard sort of mentality. Well, it's like Jesus has done all the hard work for us, right? Jesus has done everything that we were incapable of doing to get us the one thing that we desire the most to be in a right relationship with God. And because Jesus did the ultimate work on our behalf, we don't work hard. We worship hard right? That's what I'm getting after here. We ought to worship hard because he has done all, he qualified us. He delivered us from the domain of darkness. He's given us a new identity. He's given a new sense of purpose. He's done all of these things that we don't deserve because of his grace, his love for us. And so because of this, because of the reality that Jesus did the ultimate hard work and going to the cross, we ought to have this ever increasing uh, affection for Jesus that our, our worship, like if, if you think about it, um, like a, a a dial on an amplifier. If when you come to faith, right in, in that moment of conversion, you start to become a Jesus worshiper. It gets cranked up to you know one, right? That you go from zero to one because before you weren't worshiping Jesus at all, and now you're converted. You've been given new life. Jesus has has completely redefined who you are, and now you're at a one. Well, it's like my whole life. I don't just stay at that one, okay? Like, I just don't stay at that. Like, my life, as I keep going deeper and deeper into relationship with Jesus, that volume, the, the intensity of my worship is going to keep going. And I shared this uh, clip from our membership meeting. It's like this, like the, the cross chart. If, if you think of it in a, a, a road that, that then meets at a Y. Um, and so when, you, when you're making your way through life, you come to the fork in the road where your conversion happens and you become aware of two things simultaneously. You become aware of your sinfulness, right? You have this increasing awareness of, man, I'm more sinful than I thought was even possible. Like, uh, if if you right now, uh, or if God were to right now just kind of peel back uh, the layers and just sort of open your eyes to see just how sinful you are, how how corrupted your heart is, you would be floored by how much sin has corrupted your heart, how much deceit is in you. 
And so there's this progressive, but God, thankfully he doesn't, you know, he doesn't blind us with that right away. It's this progressive awareness of, man, I, I do actually have this sin issue. And it's not just that I sin, but I am a sinner in my at my core. And so we become more and more aware of that. Not that we keep sinning more and more, but the awareness of my sin becomes a greater awareness. And then at the same time, we become increasingly aware of God's holiness, right? That that when I was converted, well, I saw that God and I were distant. And then I saw how the how the cross bridged that gap between God the Father and myself, that Jesus stood there as the mediator and brings us together. But as my life progresses um, and my awareness of God's holiness and my awareness of my sinfulness um, keep moving further and further apart, the, the, the chasm between God and myself um, doesn't mean that I, I there's a, a limit on my relationship with God. What it, it actually means is that my, my view of the gospel increases with these things, okay? So, the cross gets bigger and bigger and bigger in my life. And because of that, my worship continues to increase. It's like Jesus, when he was with his disciples, um, a lady who was had a, had a reputation for being sort of a, a, a bad girl comes in, washes his feet, perfume, you know, and, and she's like washing Jesus' feet. And his disciples are like, that was a waste of money. Why should we do that? Like that, you know, we could have, you know, uh, we could have, fed the poor with that. And well, Jesus is like, no, no, what she was doing was worshiping me. She, she, and her heart was moved, so moved. And he says, those who are forgiven of much worship much. And those who are forgiven of little worship little. And, and by God's grace, it's, it's not like we have to keep sinning and sinning and sinning in order to be forgiven more and more and more. It's that our awareness of our sin increases. So that way, when we see how big of a deal our sin is, our worship also increases. And so part of this in worshiping hard, seeing Jesus doing the hard work, then our affections for Jesus keep going. And we just keep, for us, this means keeping the gospel in front of us at all times, that we never lose sight of who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ. Man, and I'm just looking forward to, um, we're, we're going to finish up this sermon series, uh, Gospel Trifecta, this Sunday on Resurrection Sunday. Um, so by the way, hopefully I'll see you there for that. I'm really, really looking forward to Resurrection Sunday this year because we got gypped out of it last year. But we're going to go into the book of Ephesians after that. And we're going to we're gonna really, the, the whole book really is about identity formation. This is who you are in Christ. And if this is who you are in Christ, here's what it looks like to live this way. And so we're going to dig through that and talk about identity. And so all of this stuff Jesus has done for us. And, and we just and keeping the the gospel before us, we never get bored with it. We we always want it's like a, a multifaceted diamond. When when we look at it, there's this beauty from this angle, and then we we've kind of taken it in and we've observed it, and then it's like, okay, God is revealing another thing about ourselves, or He's re- revealing another thing about the gospel to us. And, and the gospel is just this beautiful multifaceted diamond that we can just keep our eyes on at all times and keep looking at it. And as we turn it, it becomes more and more precious, more and more beautiful to us. And so that's what I'm praying that we. We would be like that. That the God we would never get bored with the gospel. That we'd never get bored with Jesus, because there's so much grace and beauty and power and so much to be thankful for. That that we just continue this state of being a perpetual worshiper. Worshiper. And then the other thing, talking about worshiping hard, like what I'm asking for, man. I I want us to get after it. Like Sunday mornings, I just want to to have this sense of. We are here to worship Jesus. You know what I mean? It's like nothing else really matters. I mean, we could say, like, the technology could give out, the screens, no words on the screen, all of the guitars be out of tune, all that stuff. It could it just be bad, um, and that would drive me crazy, honestly. But 
we're not there for like a show. We're there to worship Jesus. And so even if everything else has fallen apart, we still have this tenacity with our worship that we just want to get after it. And in getting after it, we we, we expre- get expressive about it because the gospel is such a powerful thing in our life. It's not, I think I have a hard time because there's, there's in one sense, yeah, we can be contemplative and, and introspective and reflecting on the gospel. And, and of course, our liturgy kind of lends itself to that in the sense of we, we have the call to worship and the confession of sin and then the absolution, right? So so those the confession and the absolution kind of helps us, or the confession specifically, helps us to be introspective and sort of self-examining. And I think that there's a spot for that in our worship, but I think the majority of what we're doing, especially the call to worship when our eyes are focused on how big and how great and how powerful, how beautiful God is, right? That That's one of those places where, man, we should be lifting our hands. We should be, it should be hard for us to stand still. It should be hard for us to keep our hands in our pockets because, man, what's going on in my heart just has to be expressed in a physical way. Like even right now, as I'm talking about it, I'm waving my hands around like an idiot, but I just feel so passionate about this. And I just want to see our church get kind of lit, lit up for Jesus in this way where that allows us to be expressive. Right. And I just think about it. Think about this, you know, dudes, you have no problem getting fired up about your football team, scoring a touchdown or winning a big game. Right. In fact, one of the best days of my life was going to a Raiders game before they left Oakland. It was Thursday night game. So much fun. Uh, and I just remember there's a video uh, my wife captured of me when they made a comeback uh, touchdown. And I just, I, w- I was losing my mind. I was so excited. And um, it was just so fun. Like there was no restraints in that moment. I was like jumping up and down. I was hugging strangers. I was giving high fives to the the weirdos around me. I was doing all this stuff. People I've never met before. I had no problem doing that for the Raiders, right? The Raiders didn't die for me though. You know, the Raiders didn't deliver me from the domain of darkness. Um, but Jesus did. And, And if that's the case, how come, how come I can get so fired up about a football game and, and, you know, and and be sort of lacking when it comes to the intensity that I bring and just the zeal that I have for uh, Jesus, the joyful expression of thankfulness that I have for Jesus. Right, ladies, the same way. It's like you you got your lady stuff that you get pumped up about, but but I think my wife. I don't know anybody who lights up like my wife when she finds out somebody's pregnant. Um, we've had like I don't. We've got five babies coming this year in my missional community alone. Isn't that wild? Um, five new babies. And every time somebody makes this announcement of, Hey, we're pregnant, which, you know, at sacred city, it's really not a surprise. It's like, it's probably more of a surprise if you're not pregnant. Um, I don't know, something in the water, but my wife lights up every single time she gets pumped up. And I just think, what if, what if we were to get like that? Like if we were to get so pumped up like that, you know, over the fact that we've been born again, right. That we have this spiritual birth in Christ. And I just think, if that's the vibe that's going in on sun, going on on Sunday morning, right? If if this is what our Sunday gatherings are like, even when the music stinks and the words are misspelled or whatever, you know, but we're just that fired up about Jesus. I think, I think that what we do becomes irresistible. I think that people step into the room, skeptics, non-believers, nominal Christians, they step into the room and they go, whoa. What has happened to these people? 
what is going on? What has caused them to respond to Jesus? Now, like, sure, yeah, I heard these Bible stories growing up, but I know Jesus is a good teacher. It's like, what's causing them to respond to Jesus in this way? It's like, it's because the gospel has been made clear to us. That Jesus ha- has come and live the life we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserve because we were more sinful than we thought. That And, and what, what it required for us to be made right was for the only perfect one that God literally would, would put on flesh himself and be murdered, crucified on a cross. And then on Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday, God in his power would raise Jesus from the dead, right? And that is why we worship. It's because of the resurrection. And that's why I think this is so timely uh, with this week being that it's Holy Week. The, the reason why we gather, the reason why I'm excited to invite my friends from the gym and, and, and my neighbors and whatever, people, anybody, honestly, anybody, I've been walking around with a, a stack of cards in my pocket, those invite cards that we have, just like anybody who I have a chance to talk to about our Sunday gathering, I'm, I'm just shelling them out, telling them, hey, meet, meet you there Friday at, at 7 p.m., meet you Sunday morning at 10 a.m., um, I'll find somebody for you to sit with, whatever it is. You know, it's like the reason why I'm so excited about inviting people, the reason why we get so passionate about Jesus is because of the resurrection. And Paul says that if the resurrection isn't true, if the resurrection is just a myth, then Christians are the ones who ought to be pitied above all other people in the world. But the for Christians, like the, the linchpin of our faith is the resurrection, but Jesus has been raised from the dead. The tomb is empty, right? Still empty. And right now Jesus is alive, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding for us, and he is going to come back again, man. And we just have so much to worship Jesus for, and it's all because of the resurrection. And so I just, I want to continue to press on in this 2020 vision, this 2020 prayer, uh, that, that we would uh, be people who know more, who do good, who joyfully endure and worship hard because, man, we have more reasons to worship God, more reasons to be fired up about Jesus than anybody else. In fact, there, there's no greater reason to get fired up than Jesus. And so I'm praying God would continue to press this stuff into us, uh, that, that we become the, the sort of tenacious worshipers, right? Uh, because we've the gospel has become so real to us. All right, that's it. I finally finished it. I finally finished our 2021 uh, vision prayers for this year. Uh, man, I, I, I'm 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 just so grateful to to be your guys' pastor. I love I love you very much. I pray for you. I've been praying for you this week specifically, and those who are going to join us on Sunday morning resur- for Resurrection Sunday, and those on Good Friday. Um, I love you guys. I can't wait to celebrate with you, to worship hard with you, uh, and uh, I'll see you on Sunday morning. Take care. Have a great rest of your week.